My guest today is Catherine Corey. Catherine is a Manchester-based brand and website designer by day and aspiring surface pattern designer and illustrator by night, according to your bio. (laughs) Uh, And um, we first met, I think, or first chatted, first came into contact with you way back in 2014 when I think we were both guests on a podcast. Yes, we were, weren't we? Yeah, web agency podcast. Oh, that feels like a lifetime ago now. It does, doesn't it? I think Sean was on there as well. I think there were maybe four of us on there, which I think is quite ambitious <laughs> for a podcast because I know how challenging it can be just two of you being on it. So having four people on it is amazing. So yeah, it's lovely to have you on the show. Welcome to the Elastic Brand. Well, thank you for having me. Would you like to do a little, so kind of tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, well, I've only recently moved to Manchester. I used to be a Derby-based Drupal developer. Oh. Um, but a lot's changed over the last few years, so now I'm sort mm. of moving to, more towards branding, which was my initial love. But I just yeah. fell into coding websites because I yeah. I graduated just as the recession hit, and no one could afford to hire graphic designers and web developers, and they needed someone that could do both. Mm-hmm. So I fell into making websites, but then I was made redundant within a year, and I had to go mm-hmm. freelance. The joys of the two thousand was it two thousand and eight the recession? Yes, I yeah I graduated two thousand eight. Lost my yeah. job two thousand nine. Oh god, absolutely <laughs> dreadful timing. Did you then go into um, being a, a, a freelance Drupal developer then, or did is that when you made the kind of transition into brand design? Um, actually, my first job, bizarre title, was a new media designer. So Ooh. yes. Um, <laughs> so they taught me how to use Drupal and then mm-hmm. I was designing the websites as well but yeah. when I lost my job I spent six weeks trying to find a new job and there was just nothing out there no. so I was very lucky and found myself on a University of Derby how to start your own business course and there were only I think about 50 businesses and I was the only designer on the course so I quickly picked up a few clients and, and got quite busy after that and then I started freelancing for agencies because agencies mm. couldn't afford to hire back then so I just yeah. just were come in for a couple of weeks slot in but of course it's very different these days I was gonna say that's actually sometimes those kind of you know terrible things that happen in the economy can actually work quite work out quite well for freelancers um in regards to you know yeah not agencies not being able to afford to hire so needing to pick up work from freelancers but um yeah that doesn't seem to be the case at the moment <laughs> does it no it feels like a very different marketplace these days it does yeah it does I think there's a lot more designers out there as well now um I'm sure there didn't used to be this many of us so is most of your work now branding and web web design yeah I'll, um yeah I, I wouldn't say I've fallen out with love with the web but it was never something that I wanted to do to begin with. I kind of fell mm. into it, whereas I studied graphic design. I've always wanted to be a designer, so I've made a conscious effort where possible to mm. go back towards branding and design. And that's looking kind of through your portfolio. That's what your portfolio is is heavily orientated towards, isn't it? Brand design and identity design. Yeah, um, it's just what I enjoy. I, I've kind of reached the age now that I... I'd like to get some enjoyment out of my life, you know, out of my job. And what kind of clients do you normally work with? Well, I've always been, I've always felt that I've been a bit different because, like, 
everyone talks about how you should niche down and you should think about who you want to work with and I've kind of always mm. worked with whoever wanted to work with me like I've, I've not been fussy I'm happy I enjoy what I do and I work with anyone so I'm more than happy I've, I've worked with someone that cleans cleans driveways and mm-hmm. so I mean it's fun to work with you know the fun food brands but I I'm not particularly fussy um mm. I think you know if people want a good um, brand and a good logo it shouldn't matter who they are mm, absolutely and also I think you can get a real as a designer it can be like a, quite an exciting challenge to work with a company that you know normally wouldn't be considered exciting you know like a trade trade person or something I think you can really kind of view it as a challenge and be like right come on let's make this amazing I get quite excited if if they've got the attitude that they actually want to invest money in branding that yeah and they want to work with me I find that you know exciting and rewarding because you know if you make someone look good it it helps their business and it you know it helps them grow and and I've also I realize that especially because the Brexit at the moment is very uncertain out there so I've always mm. been of the attitude that I'll work with the budget you have and then as your business mm. grows I'll do some more work so I'm, I'm not mm. of the attitude that this is my price this is the only people I work with I'm happy to work within a client's constraints that's really interesting actually because that sort of goes against everything that we're told isn't it <laughs> it's kind of like you know no you've got your prices you need to stick to them and if people can't afford it then they need to go somewhere else um so that works for you does it you you feel that you're never you know kind of underselling yourself but I don't so much lower my like date rate but if mm. they can only afford four hours of my time they get four hours of my time that kind yeah. of thing um I don't know if you, I mean I, I kind of feel at the moment that it's really uncertain out there and if you say this is mm. my price this is what I'll do that you're kind of limiting yourself to working with people because I, I don't know how you feel but I'm feeling finding at the moment that people just are scared to invest any money yeah I think you're right so also I mean the not specializing working within a specific niche is again quite different to what we're told isn't it because I think we're always like you must specialize you know you must work with like only you know, uh, like solicitors or something and target them and target them um, but I'm not sure that's actually the reality for most designers I think most designers tend to work with anyone who can pay the bills um, I, I respect yeah. people that do this style and you know, yeah. I respect the people that work with, you know, female entrepreneurs, but mm. it, I don't, I've never felt that it's my thing. I, I'm not the, I, I think you use the term non, no nonsense. I'm not the type of person that will, you know, add in lots of marketing terms and try and upsell. Mm. I'm very straight to the point. If you want a logo, I can do your logo. If you want brand guidelines, I can do your brand gu- you know, guidelines. It's, I am quite straightforward mm. which is very appealing to a lot of clients well I, w- I would imagine well I've always struggled doing my own website I it, it's embarrassing I don't ha- have my own website and then I, but when you look at all the other agency websites they use so many terms like branding for the future mm. and future proof and it's just what the hell does this mean like mm. I, I'd like to think there are a group of people out there that just need a logo or need a website just want to get up and running and just don't want any fuss yeah I think you're absolutely right and don't need a great long intricate 
brand guideline document or anything like that they just need some simple guidelines <laughs> and a good identity and and it's also something that you can add to so if at the beginning they just need the simple we do that and then six months down the line if the business is grown then you can invest more time and grow things at the beginning of a project do you have a relatively simple kind of discovery stage so sort of questionnaire or do you go meet the client or how does that work for you um, most of mine's done over skype these days i yeah. I have a chronic illness and it, it makes it quite difficult for me to get in out and about. So I do a lot yes. of my um, work over Skype and emails. Do you do kind of face-to-face Skype calls yes. with clients? Yeah. Yeah. And you find that works? Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. even when I wasn't as poorly as I am now, some of my clients, you know, I've never met, you know, they, they live in London or Australia yeah. or, or Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. And I, I think... The, the internet you know is allow people to work outside of the local mm. area and do you have a sort of specific um set of questions that you ask uh, or do you kind of tailor it to depending on your client I, I tend to tailor it I know we're mm. taught that we should have a set of questions but I mm. I'm kind of flexible I, I like to get yeah. an impression of what the client's after and their industry because as much as I try and understand their business they understand it better than I do and, and I try and get an understanding of their personal taste because as much as the logo shouldn't reflect their personal taste if they're not proud to say this is my brand or get behind it then it's a really tough tough sale so so it's a case of understanding what they like what's best for their business and what's going to work mm. within their industry so very much setting aside your ego um, you know or because I, I think there is I think there's sometimes there's designers who don't listen necessarily to their client. They just want to, they have a vision in their mind, maybe even prior to speaking to the client and think, well, oh, I want to do this kind of logo or, you know, I want to try this kind of style design. And they don't really take on board what the client's actually saying. And I think like there's a lot of, to do it well, you need to really set your ego aside to a degree and obviously bring your professionalism and experience and design skills to it. But also, like you say, really like get them on board and listen to what they're saying. And oh, de- Definitely, because like I said, if I don't do a good job to begin with, then they don't continue working with me mm-hmm. and they also don't recommend me. And as much as I, 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 t- as much as I like to try new trends, I try and do that in my personal work. Because I've never been a designer that has a particular style. I prefer Mm. to work with what works for the the client. So so as we said, you've got a very no-nonsense, (laughs) no-frills kind of approach. I like it. Straight to business. Um, And I'm, yeah, I'm sure clients appreciate that as well. Um, What's your process? This is a question that endlessly intrigues me and every single designer I speak to is completely different so your process behind it do you um you do you do sketching do you start off in like illustrator um how many versions do you do that's the other big question um how many do you send over to the client I've, I've noticed actually on your portfolio you do a fair few kind of variations I think don't you I do um I always mm. start with um a Pinterest board at or a mood board just to make sure mm. that I'm on the same page as a client after the discovery yeah. phase. Um, I do do sketches, but no one in the world will ever see my sketches because they're yeah. so bad. Same here. I'm a terrible drawer. 
but then I tend to jump straight in Illustrator, but I do tend to work in black and white to begin with. Oh, uh, that's really interesting. I find if you add colour, it, it can distract. So, mm. the, so the client could, could say, oh, I like that one because of the colour rather than they like it because of the mark yeah. or the idea. So you send over initial designs to the client in black and white, I do. do you? yeah. Uh, oh, wow, that's amazing. I just I just find that colour can be distracting. Um, I think if you're asking a client to concentrate on a concept, they'll start looking at the topography and the, the, mm. the shape of the mark first mm. and then they can narrow it down and then I'll start introducing colour after that. That's brilliant. That's a great idea. I'd never even thought of that, to be honest, because sometimes they can be like, I really hate the colour. And, yeah. and you're like, no, don't yeah. don't look at the colour. Just look at this. Like, we can change the colour. Yeah. And I, yeah. I do think that they might miss a good concept if they mm. don't like the colour. How many in, how many designs do you normally <laughs> supply a client with to begin with? I probably think I supply too many, but I like to design until I feel like I've exhausted all of the options so it's not a it's not a forcing you you don't feel like you're forcing yourself to come up with these designs you you have lots of ideas um yeah I mean I've heard people in the past say that they should just put all their energies into one yeah concept and that's like I'd never design multiple websites because I completely agree with that but I think with branding there's so many different elements that for me, I like to exhaust all the my ideas mm. and see what sits well with the client because often the ones I like, the client doesn't. Do you do you get good feedback from your client? I've I've really, I I find it astonishing when designers are like, oh, I hate oh, I hate it when the client feeds back. I love it when a client feeds back because they come up with some amazing ideas and spot things. I think that you don't always spot. Do you find that with your client? Definitely. I mean, I designed a logo a couple of years ago and I was completely head over heels hills with it and the client came back and said that that's too much like the nato logo and i'd completely missed that yeah um it's amazing isn't and, it? and i think as much as i want to be proud of the work it, it belongs to the client so if they don't like it or and i often think that their suggestions do help move forward and help make a better mm. logo at the end of it or brand after the end of it yeah definitely it's more of a collaborative thing then and they feel real ownership yeah. towards it then I think as well which obviously leads to a, a great relationship with it do you then so you start off with your black and white and then do they kind of choose one or do they choose more than one to develop um often, at that stage often it's a couple and mm. then I'll add color and then sometimes I'll add it into the situation I did a pizza trucker a sort of a street food mm-hmm. pop-up a couple of years ago and we actually added the logo onto a, a truck so they could visualize how it would look yeah that's a great idea I love that logo by the way Thank it's you. in your portfolio <laughs> isn't it it's really cool and then yeah so you kind of send the mock-ups over to kind of give them a bit more of a I think that's really good and I think it's something I try and do more and more these days I think just sending a flat logo over doesn't really give the client the best idea about what it's going to look like when it's used in different places. Um, do you do you have specific things that you kind of send, specific mock-ups that you send over with it? I mean, it depends on the type of business. But I think if, like, the, the pizza truck lady, she saw it on the pizza, pizza truck and she could visualise it. And then she, mm. she had a better sense of ownership. And I think throughout all of this, the client needs to fall in love with the logo. Be- mm. 
because at the end of the day it's going to be the thing that they they work with every single day it's going to be hopefully on you know stationery on flyers everywhere so they have to love it yeah and if they're like indifferent or not that keen that can be really soul destroying can't it I mean we know what it's like like I'm I'm if I haven't got my site up to scratch or whatever I'm like oh god you know but the minute I've kind of got on top of stuff like that I feel like I'm a lot more confident to go out there and see clients and talk to clients so I'm sure it's the same for everybody once you've kind of agreed on the design you send over sort of all the various versions they need how in how in depth do you go with regards to brand guidelines do you keep them relatively simple or do you do different mock-ups and stuff in them that depends on the budget how much they're willing to invest um at a base level it'll be the topography the colors Mm. and I, I don't bother with um you know like some of the massive guidelines would tell you you can't put the logo with an inch of side of each of the paper mm-hmm. i don't yeah. bother with that because to me if a budget is tight they don't want to see that they'd rather have patterns that they can in- integrate within their whatever they're working with rather than mm-hmm. oh they shouldn't squash a logo i mean i'd like to think it was common sense but you never know um do you send that over as a pdf yeah i do yeah yeah uh, one thing i do do that i forgot to mention with the first set of designs i tend to record a video of me talking through the designs and then oh, i send wow. send the designs over with the video because i find that if i send the pdf over a lot of my thought thoughts are missed but if i present mm. it live like over Skype, then there's a pressure for them to have an immediate reaction. Whereas yeah. by sending over a PDF and a video, they can take their time, consider my thought behind it, and then come to form their own opinions. So you record a video. How how does that look? Talk me through that. <laughs> it's just a, <laughs> a very simple, quick time. Me with the PDF, I'll talk through each page and explain why I've done this. And oh, wow. yeah, well. <laughs> I prefer to do branding with like a solid concept behind it. Mm. As much as trends are fun, I'd rather design work that is meaningful to that business. Um, I worked with um, a lady called Sally, she used to be Jenkinson, now late, I think. And her business was called Record Sound the Same. And it was from a lyric of a song. So I actually Mm -hmm. took that song and got the sound wave from that particular lyric and that formed the identity but if i wow, so <laughs> but if i'd have sent that over as a pdf she would not have understood any of that yeah exactly and i think as well like you can write all of that in an explanatory email but they just go to the images don't they they're like i want to have a look at it oh they won't read it because you know no. <laughs> they'll just just want to jump straight through to seeing what i presented but with the video I'd like to think that helps my explain everything, but also for them to take it in. And there's no pressure because you could do it over Skype, but you're kind of sat there waiting for a first reaction. And I think sometimes they need mm. to, clients need to sit with it and think about it for a couple yeah. of days. And they might feel uncomfortable doing it live as yeah. well. Kind of critiquing your work live is not fun for anybody. <laughs> no, you don't want anything awkward, do you really? 
No, that's always best avoided with Fred. I think, <laughs> I think that, um, I think that whole. I th- I love that idea of the video. That's such a good idea. I've never thought of that before. And I think that's why, you know, any new, um, well-known kind of logo or identity rebrands that go online always get slated horrifically, don't they? And kind of people dragging them through mud. And I think if the designers had a chance to go well this is why we've done this it might be much less vitriolic <laughs> when people get online and start critiquing it but wasn't it bt the other week that they released the logo everyone hated yeah. it and then they released how it was going to be applied and people kind of went well that's not so terrible and, yeah. And, yeah and i do think you know the whole project has a context you need to see how it all works I actually yeah. wrote my university dissertation on the London 2012 logo because I absolutely loved that logo. And yeah. I wrote it, it must have been the summer of 2008, so before you saw how all the how it was going to work in the terms of the, you know, all the icons for the different sports and it was just purely the logo and there was so much fuss in all the papers. That was a poison chalice, that yes. job, wasn't it? Nobody was going to get please anybody with that, really. But I just, at the time, thought it was so smart because it was the first time anyone had thought about applying a logo to someone else's brand. So, like, Visa could put their colours on it. Sainsbury's could put mm. their colours on it and it would still work. And I, I, do, yeah. I do love a good logo that can work in different contexts. Yeah, that's it's genius, isn't yeah. it? But, again, I think that that... Yeah, it the, those kind of newspaper reactions were just literally like looking at it and not not taking into account any of the context. They needed to read your dissertation, basically. <laughs> it wasn't a great dissertation, but I <laughs> I'd be interested to now hear what people think. Now they, they you know obviously the Olympics have happened and we've seen how the branding works mm. across everything. And we love. I mean, we're just so proud of those mm. Olympics as well, aren't we? I think it was such a coming together. Probably the last time we came together as a nation, <laughs> actually. So probably people now view it with a great nostalgia. Yeah. I would imagine. But you know, some of the headlines were certainly attention grabbing back in 2008. So are there any projects that you've worked on recently that you'd like to kind of chat about or chat us through the process behind it? I did a very, it was for a friend, I did a very interesting project. He's he's always been in IT, I've always worked with him throughout time freelancing, but he's starting a side project up. He wants to start mm-hmm. selling chili bottles. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's kind of at the I think a lot of people in the tech industry get to the stage that they want something physical, don't they? And they want a yeah. bit of a change. Absolutely. So he's starting selling all these different flavours of chilli. And he had this cool idea of naming the each chilli flavour after a different lady in his family. And then the actual brand was named after the towns his grandparents were born in, so Stanley and Mudford. So as a logo, I got the, I think... I think it was North Somerset or and North Yorkshire. So I got the outline of the counties, squished them together, and that formed the sort of background. Yeah. And then I kind of thought about along the lines of, you know, it's a family tree, you know, tree and bark. But in the end, I going to sound a little crazy. I asked him to get some ink and scan in, ink up his thumb and fa- um, scan in his thumbprint. So that, oh, wow. that's now the in the background. So he's actual. 
I mean, I've tweaked it a little bit in Photoshop just so it's not his actual thumbprint. Yeah. <laughs> Can't go and start like, using his iPhone <laughs> and stuff. But I just wanted Brilliant. to create something that belong, could only belong to his business. And if I'd have followed a trend, if I'd have gone pastels or ombre, any business out mm. there, but by using, you know, the shapes of where his family was from and, and his DNA, it now it becomes his his branding. Um, yeah. I, I haven't actually posted the actual labels of the bottles yet, but we've done it in the style of a family tree. That's so cool. I just love the brand story. And I think in this day and age, a lot of, people buy into the story behind a brand because there's so many Mm. people out there trying to start their own business there's so many people Mm. selling uh, sources so i i do think people respond better if there's a a nice story behind it um i just think it's brilliant because it's completely different idea i mean i just it's amazing like how did you even that you know it's such, such, such a brilliant way of doing it and I think like you could go on Pinterest or somewhere and there'd be like a million styles that could be used for a chili bottle or whatever you know we all know what they look like there's tons of them but I think that really sets it apart that kind of heritage um side of it and not going down that traditional chili uh kind of shape and st- you know that kind of thing I love it. I just thought because it had such a strong story behind it that that needed to be front and centre of the brand. Yeah. And I mean, who else would name each chili sauce after, you know, like the grand, the mum, you know, the cousin? It just felt like that needed to be sung about. So lovely. So brilliant. I think people would absolutely love that idea. It's in the family and the community. I love it. And I love that um, it's like a chili sauce, you know, that we normally would think, oh, like, I don't know, Mexican food or something. Um, and it's like Somerset and Yorkshire or something, <laughs> which is completely, you know, not where you'd necessarily think chili sauce would come from. So I love that. It was a real fun project. And surprisingly, that was my first idea, because normally I find that my first ideas are not great you know they're they're the ones that you just the the first thing that pops into your head and then you kind of develop them over time but that was actually the first idea and I went with it yeah how was it working with a friend fine um he's also a Drupal developer so we've we've got a good working relationship and yeah uh, I've worked with a lot of friends over the years or clients that have become friends and Mm. you know there's going to be awkward times that you know it's going to be awkward conversations like you'd have with any client but yeah. um one of the first clients I got with such great friends I went, actually went to her wedding one of the things that I really struggle with with like being a brand designer is um like re- repeat business because I feel like what I do a lot is like I'll do a, a brand design and then that's done kind of thing how do you kind of manage to keep ongoing relationships do you then kind of offer collateral and stuff around the brand um how do you how do you manage that I try to but the trouble is anybody can get a copy of photoshop and do it themselves Mm, and I do find that people are happy to invest the money in the initial brand 
but anything mm. after that becomes it difficult to convince whereas you know doing the website as well that does lead to more work so yeah. I'm lucky in that respect that I can code and I can build websites yeah that's that's good I always find when I do a project which where I'm building a website as well again like you say it always yeah. leads to kind of further uh, even if it's just sort of maintenance you know on it um but I find that I'm get doing more and more just just brands now and um I think that retention of business is quite challenging and it's something I really hadn't thought about before I kind of moved into this area um so yeah I'm always intrigued how other people manage that you know I feel like we're always looking for the next customer (laughs) rather than kind of just you know got our group of customers like friends of mine who are digital designers or um developers they tend tend to just work with the same people all year round and have one or two new customers so I think that's quite a challenge from our point of view it's certainly been a challenge for me because I wouldn't say I've lost a lot of websites over the years, but people have moved towards Squarespace and of course mm. they can do it themselves. So whereas, you know, a couple of years ago, I was getting a lot of website work, but that's certainly not the case. Um, but it, but if you do do a good job, you also get referrals. So rather than retention, I, I try and aim mm. for referrals. Yeah. Is that where most of your work comes from? Yeah. Um, because I, I don't get out to network as much as I used to. Well, I mm. don't get out at all now. But, um, yeah, so it, it does come down to referrals. Um, I, I'm not very good at that side of things, I have to be honest. I know what I should be doing, but I'm not great at sort of sales and stuff. How do you approach that? Is it literally just, you know, do a brilliant job and then is there anything else that you do that's kind of proactive to get that new work in? Not really. I I always find it hard that you'd be so caught up in a project and then you mm. kind of realise, oh my next project's been delayed or what am I gonna do yeah. next week? And it's a full time job. It's a full time job doing the work but then also looking ahead, working out where mm. your next client's coming from and it, it it's hard work like I'm mm. um, not going to pretend it's it's not hard work because you've got to work mm. on the business and do the work at the same time yeah and I think when you're really really busy I mean I go through stages where I'm just frantically busy because yeah. <laughs> I'll have some you know three projects come in at once and I I know I should be putting 50% of my time into finding new work but um it sometimes it just doesn't happen or like you say last minute delay of a project that happens far too regularly and then you're like oh my god like ouch (laughs) what am I gonna do Uh, I made peace with the fact that it's feast and famine a long time ago (laughs) yeah yeah me too (laughs) do you um how do you cope with the famine do you go into overdrive panic stations I do I have to be honest I do that even though I've been through it a hundred times before I think this is it. This is it. I'm never getting any more work in. <laughs> this is the end. And then, and that's always how I think. Do you? Are you quite philosophical about it? I, my mum will be the first one to tell me whenever you start worrying that you've got no work on, you, you get too busy. So I kind mm. of try and keep it calm and just mm. know that it will work out. 
because it, it has done for the last nine years so there's no reason yeah. why it won't now yeah exactly that's what I always try and remind, remind myself where you've you know you've been doing this for a long time now like <laughs> and you're not homeless so <laughs> obviously it's worked out so far I mean, um I, I've got the problem that so I've got chronic fatigue syndrome also known yeah. as me so sometimes the downtime actually works in my favor mm. and there's you know still in the downtime there's still things you can be doing you could be working on your own website you can be on LinkedIn I hate LinkedIn it's <laughs> oh. but you know you can be on mm. LinkedIn you can start networking I mean there's plenty of Facebook groups mm. I'm in a lot of like business groups and people are always looking for help or advice I you see I'm I've come off Facebook because <laughs> I hate it <laughs> Um, but now I'm just like, I, I need to be back on it because it's the go-to place for groups, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Really? It's free, you know, it's endless supply of people on there and everyone's like, oh, I've, you're going to have to go to the Facebook group. So I really do feel like I'm kind of stood outside of the, play, on the side <laughs> of the playground at the moment with no friends. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's something I need to get back on. But let's talk about, if you're happy to talk about your chronic illness yeah. and how you kind of manage work with that because that must be a real challenge at, well I know it's a real challenge for you at times <laughs> um so I've had it 20 years now so I've got the whole sob story of dropping out of school and being bed bound mm. um so I had about a decade of good health and that's when I was on the conference circuit I was starting speaking mm. I'd you know go down to Brighton for reasons yeah. and you know life was good then um but it was something that I could hide um mm. so you know I could take on a three-week agency project work 10 12 hours a day and then crash for a couple of weeks and no one could really tell and did you keep that a secret really? I, I didn't I was never I never hid it but mm. it, it, it wasn't something that I needed to talk about yeah okay yeah. um and the people I have spoken about especially recently think that people like me are a bit more resilient and they I'm very aware that my health could affect every day to day so I mm time work a bit slower than I used to now so yeah. you know if I go on holiday I'll make sure there's a couple of days either side of recovery time and mm-hmm. if I book a project in I'll also make sure there's a couple of days after it so if there is a delay it's not impacting the next because I mean projects do run late so mm-hmm. by being better with scheduling I think it helps it does help it helps my workflow but I'm also quite honest and I, I'm used to having to sort of because I, I did study school but it was long distance so I was always had to be very vocal with my teachers what what I was up to so I've kind mm-hmm. of taken that back into my my work yeah. now so I'm very so you've got good communication skills yeah and I, I won't ever over promise if I think something's going to take me a week to do I'll probably tell them it might take me eight days so and I, and I think I'm also very aware that if I can only work for four hours a day, I need to be sure that I'm sat at a computer and working for those four hours a day. Because it's so easy mm. to be sat at your computer for like 10 hours and then look at the, mm. the work you've done. And you've only done three hours in those 10 hours because you've been distracted by Twitter. or mm. So I'm very aware that I have X amount of energy. I have X amount of work that needs to be done. Yeah, I mean, it's not ideal. Obviously, I'd like to be better than I am but it is what it is do you let clients know about yeah, your illness um, yeah it doesn't sometimes it doesn't work in my favor um 
I I had a really bad period about 2015 and I got tired of explaining to everyone so I just put on Facebook this is what's happening just so I didn't have to repeat it over and over again and I lost work because I, I had a client on my Facebook and he thought I couldn't manage it and but like no one knows if I'm sat on the sofa in my pajamas doing the work if no, my... which is how how most yeah. of us yeah. <laughs> design anyway isn't it so, I mean if they all think we're all sat there in suits in an office then they're quite wrong aren't they but so, yeah. I, I, I kind of feel I am who I am and if people don't want to work with me there's plenty of other designers out there like I, I, yeah. I don't I find if you try and lie and you cover things up you just get found out very quickly mm absolutely and that can bring stress yeah. to your life and make you more yeah. ill um so I think as well like I think there's a lot to be said for you know w- working four hours a day working really hard I think everybody should be doing that as opposed <laughs> to these 10 12 hour days because it is impossible I mean when I used to work like you know full full time for an agency there was no oh. way I was putting in like eight hours constant work and you get I was chatting to yeah. friends for like half of the day, so distracted on the way to the toilet or getting a drink. Yeah, um, like you know, I know agencies are very much you must log eight hours a day, but realistically, no one actually works those eight hours. And I am much mm. happier if I'm doing five days, five hours a, a day, five days a week. I'm mm. much more productive, yeah. and I love the idea of finishing at like three o'clock in the afternoon, so I've got more time to myself. Yeah. And I guess as well, it's very, it makes you very good at prioritizing what is important at that moment. So you probably work much more effectively as a result as well. And I'm very much like we all have things on our to-do list that we want to avoid, but I Mm. kind of feel that I have to tackle them because I don't know how my health is going to be tomorrow or next week. Mm. So, you know, if there's work that needs to be done, I do it. I am, I'm really bad at getting stuck in some things like if I'm doing a logo and it's not or an an identity and it's not flowing at all I'm really crap at going right I'm just gonna leave that now I'll be like I'm I've I've got to stick out and I'm like eight hours later I'm still trying (laughs) to force a logo (laughs) that isn't working at that time are you very are you good at going I'm just gonna leave that and do something else sometimes um I mean, I've had those evenings when I'm coding something to 10 o'clock and I don't want to go to bed until it's finished. Mm. But yeah. it doesn't work in, doesn't work for me because I'll suffer the next day. And, yeah. you know, I, I don't know what you're like, but, but sometimes when I open Illustrator and I see that white canvas, there's just that massive panic. Oh, God, yeah. And, but sometimes, sometimes it's worth working through, through it or sometimes mm. it's better just to step outside, read a magazine, get some fresh air, because I do find that I'm inspired when I'm not at a computer or you know the best ideas will come to me when I'm having a shower um in the shower all the designers are the same (laughs) they're all like in the shower I've like come up with the best ideas in the world in the shower I think it should be compulsory to start your day like that or when I'm falling asleep I always have a notebook and a pen by the side of my bed in case I'm dropping off and something comes to me that's really funny that you should say that actually as I woke up this morning I was obviously having a dream about it or something about I'm, I'm just moving the business into a new area at the moment and I was thinking about sort of things I could do like products I could create that I could give to my new clients and I just had this like it was 
perfectly form this vision in my mind as I was waking up this morning of what I a specific thing I could do and I was like wow that's so weird it was it was solved a problem that I've been thinking about for ages so I think if you just let your mind wonder in fact this morning is a classic case in point I'm trying to rename I'm trying to name my new company okay. normally I just do things in my under my own name like Elizabeth Elko but I want to have this, this is aimed at a specific kind of market and um so I sat at my desk this morning for like three hours, just like on thesaurus.com or whatever it's called, <laughs> just like putting in things and trying to brainstorm and like do mind maps and everything. And I was just getting nowhere whatsoever. And I went downstairs to make some lunch and immediately <laughs> just popped into my mind. <laughs> I thought I should have done that, but I couldn't, I knew that I wasn't doing, I knew I wasn't being productive. I knew that what I, I was never going to work out, but I couldn't, step away from it I was like ah oh, I get this kind of obsession and it's hard. then my brain sorts it out because I, I never like ending the day feeling frustrated no. I was trying to draw a bird last week and I got so grumpy because I just couldn't get <laughs> it right and I tried and I tried and <laughs> and in the end you know I just had to walk away yeah I think you're right I I'm I'm very bad at ending the day on a low point. I do it, <laughs> or a struggling point. I do it quite regularly and it really does affect me. I think that's a really good bit of advice to like try and end on a high note, even if it's like half an hour of doing something completely different. Yeah, that's a very good idea. Um, just finally, before I, I release you, <laughs> um, <laughs> I put you on the spot a bit here, but um, have you got any kind of recommendations? I often I ask guests, like, is there anything... So have you watched anything good on Netflix or have you used a new bit of software? It doesn't have to be about design. It could be a comedy or music or anything or art, anything at all that you would like to recommend to the listeners. I mean, it's fairly old now, but when I read Design is a Job by, is it Mike Monterio? That just changed everything, my whole outlook. Really? And it's the only book I've ever finished. And then I started it straight mm-hmm. again and read it again. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is a good recommendation. So that kind of just got you thinking completely differently about stuff. Yeah, I mean... It, I've learned a lot from my other half because he's got, I say, a normal, but he's got like a nine-to-five job. And I think as freelancers, we can learn a lot from people that actually work in agencies. And that's sometimes why why I've enjoyed working for agencies because you get to go in to work for companies, see what works for them, what doesn't work, and then Mm. all come back and apply it to your own business. And I, I think I've begun to appreciate a lot more of my spare time and doing personal projects and just being a bit kinder to myself because mm. when you first start freelance and I was all well I've got to be working 12 hours a day I've got to be doing the mm. hustle I've got to you know be tweeting that I'm working evenings and weekends and it just you just burn out and it, it doesn't and you think why yeah. have I left my agency job yeah. if this is what the alternative yeah. is um and it, yeah. it just doesn't help you and I, I think it's so easily you can be isolated as a freelance but it's so you just don't look after yourself you don't you, you don't think about how it's affecting your well-being and your mental health mm. and so yeah I, I think that book changed my life but also learning that my spare time is important I want to be 
you know to art galleries I want I don't want to be working weekends absolutely so that's a really interesting point to pick up on actually just quickly with your chronic illness yeah. obviously you're at home a yeah. lot more than um you know you might otherwise be how do you cope with isolation and you know being on your own have you managed to build up a community online are there certain people that you talk to because I think I think nearly every freelancer I've ever spoken to works from home struggles Mm. with that um I'm beginning to I've got this internal debate at the moment whether I should put it in like my bios on my Instagram on my Twitter Mm. but I found since I have done a lot of people more people are reaching out and say I'm also in the same position Mm. um because if you think about it if you've got a chronic illness and you can't you know do a nine-to-five job you can't turn Mm. to freelancing you're gonna yeah so I think there's a lot more people out there than I first realised in the same boat as I I am. Um, I do try and I do try and keep in touch with people like WhatsApp, Facebook. Um, I've started you know calling friends and FaceTiming yes. them because it, it's so isolating. It's it, freelancing is isolating and having a chronic illness is isolating. So putting the two together can become really isolated quite dangerous if you don't manage it yeah yeah but I try I try and get out every day and you know walk around the block if I'm able to if not just sit in the garden get some fresh air yeah um but I I think nature connection is really important oh definitely I think being out in nature can just help so much Uh, we're also considering getting a dog so I have a little bit of yes yes, a bit of company hoping you're gonna say that (laughs) I was gonna say get a dog that's a really good way to meet people as well because people just you know when I lived in centre of Norwich and I would go to the park every night with my dog I met so many lovely people doing Mm. that Uh, you just have a lovely chat and dogs could play and stuff so I think it's a really good way of makes you go out of the house as well um like, like last year we bought our first house so that was took up most of the year but um mm. um visiting the dogs trust most days to see what come what little dog comes up oh yeah. oh i love the dogs <laughs> trust but then, yeah. i'd love to work with them they're such an amazing charity i keep thinking i don't have one near here but if i lived near one i would i would definitely volunteer but then i would end up with a house full <laughs> of dogs <laughs> i'm about 25 <laughs> go so quickly they they get like lifted in the afternoon and they're gone by the next morning it's astonishing how many they have through their doors isn't it it's quite crazy really um well that's really yeah I think I think as well like I used to feel that you had to go meet people face to face and but actually I found so part of doing this podcast is just because I like chatting to people and it's a great excuse very self-indulgent um and also but I love yeah just chatting with people online or over skype i find that helps as well that's it's not the same as sitting down with somebody but it still makes you feel less alone it's better than nothing um yeah of course i'd you know much prefer to be out and about but if i can't Mm. get out and about this is better than nothing yeah absolutely it shouldn't be underestimated should it no and i i also like to do like art classes and you get to meet all sorts of people from all sorts of walks of life I was talking to a friend of mine about this the other day we were saying you should never um, underestimate like intergenerational relationships because I think some of the best relationships I have are with younger people sort of in their 20s but also 
uh, you know, much, much older people as well. Like, they're all enriching, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, and especially older people have got a perspective and they've been through things that we can't even imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love I love um, mixing with people of all different ages. Um, and as you say, like art classes and stuff like that, really, that's a great way to do that, isn't it? Uh, lot, actually, a lot of my websites, the content authors of been in their 50s and 60s and that's always been fascinating watching people that age get to grips with technology yeah you're right has that helped you kind of in has that informed the way you design do you think I think it's given me patience because it's so Mm. easy to assume that because I mean I remember having a computer since I was about seven so it's mm. kind of second nature. But I also remember the days of dial-up, you know, where you couldn't use the telephone line. I used to have, yeah, yeah. I used to have a um, like a chart that I used to have to log how long I'd been on the internet for. <laughs> so my parents <laughs> knew how, how much the bill was going to be. So, oh, so I, you know, I haven't grown up with, you know, having an iPad from the age of yeah. two. But I also think seeing an old person just do things like double click and learn how to you know highlight text it it does make you more patient and particularly when you try and explain things you have to explain it in plain English you can't assume that everyone's going to have the same level of knowledge that you have yeah I think you're absolutely right um I've mentioned it I think I've mentioned it before in my podcast but um my 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 stepdad's a farmer and he has um a lot of different software that he has to use mm. for stuff and and all of the stuff that's written about it is assuming that you know he he's probably worked for apple at some point <laughs> or microsoft or something you know it's just written in this ridiculous language um and just assuming that you know he'd know how to do an update or you know there wasn't a good booklet that said right do this 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 that you know stage by stage by stage it was all a lot of assumptions made which I think has helped me kind of not do that so much with my work I think I think you've got to have some empathy haven't you uh, yeah I think especially as a designer you've got to be understanding of everyone yeah. and yeah I, I do enjoy what I do I, I enjoy working with people I and I know a lot of people that, you know the first sale clients are a nightmare and I've said it in the past but there's something mm. rewarding about seeing someone learn something or do something that they didn't expect to be able to do or take their business in a new direction. I don't think all clients are a nightmare yeah. at all. I think sometimes people get the clients they deserve. <laughs> and maybe if they haven't explained things properly or communicated properly, then the client turns into a nightmare because they feel frustrated. But, I mean, I've had, you know, plenty of clients oh, yeah. that have been tricky. <laughs> I mean, we goes without saying but I think that if you are kind of open and friendly and explain things generally people are nice yeah and you know I like nice people and I like working with nice people but I think it's so easy to forget that you know pouring a thousand pound two thousand pounds into something that's with someone that you've never worked with before you know it's a big investment and they've clients have got to have a lot of trust in you I totally agree with that and I just thinking then I read somewhere I think it was maybe on 
work notes. I read an article recently just saying that, um, you know, this whole shaming clients about their budgets mm. um, uh, and stuff is so wrong. We absolutely shouldn't be, you know, and, and assuming that clients would know how much work would cost as well. Now, they might not have any idea how much design work costs. So I think a conversation rather than just being like, no, it's <laughs> off kind of thing, you know, it's got to happen. you got to, I think, I think there's a lot of shaming around clients and costs and stuff. I think with the rise of five, uh, people think that you can do a logo for 50 quid. Mm. And, you know, probably could, but it's not going to, help their business is not going to but some businesses that if that's all they can afford then there's nothing wrong with that because you know in this day and age no one knows what's going to happen tomorrow or next year and people are a lot Mm. more careful and cautious with their money and i don't think yeah and if if that's what they've been told that that's what a logo costs how are they going to know any different so i think when they come to you or come to us and say you know, I've got the. I've been. I could go and five ring it yeah. for this. I think it's just worth explaining why it's not going to be the same, and then seeing how they yeah. feel. And it's all about education, and just remembering that. I mean, I get twitchy when I have to invest in my business. Oh, like absolutely. You know, I've worked hard for my money, so I want to know that it's going to be a good investment, and clients are the same. Absolutely, I completely agree with you. And why should we just expect? clients just hand over a few <laughs> grand you know without some kind of yeah uh, reassurance uh, I think it's very easy to forget that the client needs to be able to work with you but you've also got to be able to work with the client it's got to be a good relationship mm-hmm. and you know it's got to work for both of you otherwise things will yeah. turn sour and you won't do your best work and they won't be happy well I think that's a good note to end <laughs> it on it's been really lovely to chat to you so uh thank you well thank you for having me well that's all for today i really hope you enjoyed the show you can catch us on twitter at elastic brand pod or you can contact us via our contact form theelasticbrand.com if you have any comments or questions about today's show